Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Get yourself in a fix. The cheapest five-year mortgage in history has just been launched. Should you get out of fixed income? Find out what a Greek or US default will mean for your bond funds. And investors' fixation with gold. Why you shouldn't think of silver as a poor second. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Tanya Poli. Hello. And Alice Ross. Hello. And our special studio guest, Tom Beckett, Chief Investment Officer at Sigma Investment Management. Hello. Let's start then with the money news. This week, just when you thought fixed-rate mortgages couldn't get any cheaper, Chelsea Building Society, part of the Yorkshire, launched the lowest ever five-year fixed-rate mortgage in history at a rate of 3.39%. Yes, you heard me correctly, 3.39%. It comes with a fee of £1,495 and is available to borrowers with a deposit of 30% or more. Mortgage brokers say that they have never seen five-year fixed rates at this level before and have described the deal as excellent value for homeowners who want security of knowing what their monthly repayments will be for the next five years. But you could pay less with tracker mortgages available for as little as 1.99% right now. Homeowners choosing the Chelsea fix will be paying 1.4 percentage points more than this for as long as the Bank of England holds rates. Tanya... All of the rates at the moment seem incredible. What's going on? Well, it's quite interesting. If we think back to last week, I think on you know on our show we were actually alluding to the fact that a lender would be um, offering a rate below three point five percent because at that point we had um, I think the rates were around three point five nine percent, and that was from Chelsea. And we couldn't quite say at that point that Yorkshire was going to be launching a fix a five year fix at three point four nine percent. And here we are a week later, and now we've already got another um, mortgage lender um, launch share rate even lower at 3.39%. And this is, in fact, the lowest ever five-year fix we've seen in UK history. But how can they afford to do it? It's all largely to do with um, swap rates. So that's the kind of the rate at which banks lend to each other and how they um, price the cost of fixed-rate loans. And um, over the last month, this has been falling. I mean, there's a variety of reasons for this. Partly, um, the Eurozone crisis is making people think that actually the UK won't be able to raise interest rates for quite a while. So we're thinking that interest rates will stay at this historically low level of 0.5% for much longer than once was anticipated, or they won't rise that quickly. So basically, this is leading lenders be able to lower cost of uh, borrowing so they can afford to actually reduce rates quite a bit. Now, somebody who uh, is on a five-year fixed rate at 4.19% mm-hmm. and feels incredibly foolish uh, right now, um, I thought this was a no-brainer. But you mentioned 
the fact that the base rate, Bank of England base rate, could stay low for longer than people expect, which means it's not a no-brainer, is it? Because tracker rates could be better. Well, that's the problem. That's, you know, it's the age-old problem that all borrowers and home buyers face. And it's the one that brokers say that they actually can't really provide an answer for. It largely depends on where you see interest rates going. And if you fancy actually having the security of fixed payments, which for a lot of borrowers, they would rather know what their monthly payments will cost rather than having the risk that actually um, interest rates will rise sharper than people expect. Because obviously, we still don't know what will happen with the economy. Something might happen, which actually means Bank of England will look to raise rates. If you have the view that interest rates will stay low, then obviously these cheap track at 1.99% are incredible as well. Other options are that you could go for um, some of these switch to fixed products, which we talked before, where you go on a tracker with the ability to move to a fixed product with the same lender uh, at no extra cost. Or Accord, which is also part of the Yorkshire um, brand, um, they've also got this kind of five-year product, which is a bit of a hybrid between a um, tracker product and a fixed product. So you'd go on to a rate of um, a two-year tracker, uh, for two years, but you already know the cost of your fixed rate for the next three years after that. So actually, that already gives you the kind of knowledge that you're always you're already going to have this three-year fix at quite a competitive price. Because the problem with all these other products, like the switch to fixed ones, are that you often don't know what fixed rates will cost um, when you decide you want to move. I suppose one other factor is the fee that you mm-hmm. have to pay for these. Yes. Because if your mortgage is not that big... Presumably the fee makes the rates not quite so attractive. Yes, that's true. I mean, um, most brokers seem to say that if you're on small mortgage um, amounts of between 50 to, you know, under £100,000 maybe, um, it's always worthwhile really balancing the combination of what the rate is, how much the fee is, and also whether you get any freebies involved. Because a few of these... um, five-year fixes at the moment they have cheaper fees than the Chelsea one um, and also some of them throw in free valuation and free legals so that could be a better deal for you um, if you're on a small loan amount. And just finally um, is this as low as rates can go? Um, it's hard to predict a lot of the brokers I've been speaking to this week seem to believe that it won't go much lower because they're just astounded that they've gone this low so far and um, lenders are still quite keen to have a bit of margin on their products at the moment so It might be worthwhile to kind of see this as the lowest point that they could go, but who can say? Who can say? Well, we'll certainly keep people updated on what's happening with rates and uh, for the latest on falling mortgage rates and, by contrast, rising rental costs. uh, Look out for Tanya's two articles in the money section of this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. You'll also find a special analysis of why so many building societies are now offering the best mortgage and savings deals on the high street. Still to come on the show, should you be going for gold, or like a plucky British shot putter in a year's time, silver? First though, bonds. In the next few days, bond investors will face a scenario that few would have imagined a few years back. The first default by a Eurozone government on its sovereign bonds, and the distinct possibility of a downgrade of US Treasury bonds. Last week's 109 billion euro bailout of the Greek government will result in a 21% reduction in its bonds value, which will trigger what's known as a selective default, the first default on eurozone bonds since the creation of the single currency. Meanwhile, the failure of US politicians to reach a deal on raising the federal debt ceiling is making it more likely that credit ratings agencies will have to downgrade the AAA rating on US bonds to reflect their higher risk. This will not only hit the funds that hold these bonds directly, but also potentially those that invest in banks holding this debt. Tom, now, 
this sounds to me incredibly serious. How serious is it for UK private investors? I think it's serious for the world in general. Um, but UK private investors should certainly be worried about the events of what are happening on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, I think the first clear and present danger is in Europe. Um, and uh, there is also a danger in the US as well, driven by confidence and sort of pantomime politics. A default is effectively when a creditor stops paying back, um, the borrower stops paying back people to whom it's borrowed money from in very simple form. Um, in this instance, I think in Europe, what it means is actually investors will get back less of their principal. Um, selective default or actual default is a, is a very technical term and one which is too clever for us to, to have to think about now. And also, actually, and a default can also be when people stop having their coupons being paid. That's the risk now in the US. So what do I think will happen with regards to this? I think in Europe, defaults are certain. Um, maybe not this month, maybe not this quarter, maybe not this year, but at some point these bust countries will default on their debts. Uh, when it comes to the US, I think it's slightly different. Um, the US longer term is bankrupt. Uh, in the short term, they will carry on paying their debt. Um, it's just a question of how much of these investments you currently want at this point in time. Well, they don't sound terribly attractive. Uh, let's take um, Greece and indeed the Eurozone as a whole, first yep. of all. We've known about these problems for a long time. Presumably bond markets have already priced this in. Uh, you'd hope so, but we are uh, a, whole, a whole week after the last bailout. Uh, and as I was leaving the office, I noticed that uh, Italian bonds are back up to where they were almost last week and Spanish bonds are back up above 6% yields on the 10-year bond. Um, that didn't work very well. Um, so is this priced in? Uh, I would suggest probably not. I think what markets really need is uh, is confidence. And certainly the actions of the European politicians um, has not given enough confidence. Uh, and certainly, as I said, the, the comedic events that are happening uh, across the Atlantic are also really denting confidence as well. So this week, as we've come towards the crunch period for the US debt situation, um, each day the market has fallen and the falls have got more and more substantial, culminating in Wednesday night's heavy falls. Um, we don't know what's going to happen happen quite today, but certainly people are worried. Um, so is it priced in? It's too early to tell. I mean, um, I'm always surprised by the market's ability to be surprised by something here which is genuinely unsurprising. We've now been talking about this for many months and in the case of Europe for many years. I think if the um, if the US fail to come to some sort of agreement, I think they'll be given a bit of grace after that point. If they don't, I think people start to get very worried. Uh, markets could quite easily fall on that basis because there'll be no confidence. When it comes to Europe, when eventually that does happen, I think the problem is that problems we've talked about for the long term lack of growth and structural debt problems, I think it just makes a long-term structural problem into a clear and present danger. And in that instance, I think all asset classes could fall together. Uh, which, of course, is the, is the big fear for private investors. But um, do you really think that the, U the US will fail to do a deal? Uh, the, the general uh, you know, opinion, I think, is that it'll go to the 11th hour and then they'll finally come up with some sort of compromise. Will that make a difference? Yeah, and bipartisanship has always proved to be pretty bad for the investors in the long run as well. So um, whatever deal they come to, I think, will be a uh, will be a sop. I don't think it'll work. Um, I think it will be merely something to try and please the electorate um, and uh, get the politician, get the um, citizens on board with whichever way they're going to lean. I mean, you know, the, Europe, the US debt situation is just a stark reminder that we live in a world which is full of danger. Um, you know, the Republicans have got a very good point. Rather than kicking uh, the can further into the Iowa maze, they should be dealing with the American debt problem now. Um, they don't seem to be willing or able to do so. Um, I think the bigger problem, though, could be you've got to think about who have, who has lent America 
America the most money, that is China. Um, how do the Chinese feel about like this? I mean, you know, coming so soon on the back of the subprime crisis uh, and the collapse in the US economy in 2007 and 2008 and the start of 2009, how willing is China really going to be to carry on lending trillions of dollars to the US when the, it's just a debacle? I mean, it's an absolute state. Uh, given this gloomy picture that you that you paint, um, which funds are going to be affected? It sounds like many asset classes are going to suffer. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you think about how asset classes are typically priced, I mean, you use the risk-free rate for um, for U.S. Treasuries being the uh, the safe haven, you know, the ultimate safe haven asset, the risk-free the risk-free return asset. Um, if yields on that spike, um, I think it will take all other asset classes with it. Um, if they spike a little bit, it's okay. Probably if they go a long, long way, then I think all bets are off for asset classes, and I think you start to think about what can be a safe haven asset. Asset otherwise, for us, cash. We've been raising cash across our portfolios. I think that's sensible. When you're uncertain, you raise liquidity. Um, I think high-quality companies will probably outperform. Uh, and I think you really need to think about other things. You know, I hate to say it, but you're going to lead on to it in a minute. Gold. I think gold could quite possibly be a, a sensible investment, although it's very difficult to value. Um, so where to invest is, is really quite difficult, Matthew, at this point in time. Um, for us, I mean, as I said, I think having more and more diversification in your portfolios is sensible, I think, to try and cover yourself for a, for a number of different eventualities. Sadly, there are more eventualities at this moment in time than there have been in uh, in my career, which is really saying something. Gold, we are going to come on to yeah. very, very shortly. Yeah. Uh, cash, you've mentioned, so yeah, you've no, increased yeah. your cash yeah. allocations. Yeah. Just on the high-quality companies, do you mean yeah. uh, high-quality equities? Do you mean uh, high quality corporate bonds? I think probably both actually. I mean, you know, we've talked about how perilous the situation is for con- countries. Uh, we know how bad the situation is for uh, consumers, although they're being helped by, by Tanya's story, by mortgage rates coming down and down. But obviously, those two parts of society are pretty bust. Uh, fortunately, companies do have quite a lot of money. I'd love to come in here and say to you guys that after the fantastic reporting season we've seen for companies, we're ultra bullish on equities. We'd like to be. Um, but the exogenous risks created by the governments are, are wrong um, and are danger of, uh, and full of danger for companies themselves. But yeah, I mean, high-quality companies in the forms of the equities and also their bonds are the way way forward. I mean, ultimately, they could be the new safe haven. The new safe haven. We need one, at least. Uh, Tom, thank you very much uh, indeed. And uh, if you are worried about the impact of defaults on your investments, make sure you read our Q&A on the Greek and US situations in this weekend's FT and on the website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, as we just mentioned, gold. This week, the price of gold hit new highs above $1,625 an ounce, a 14% increase since the beginning of the year. According to the World Gold Council, gold outperformed all major bond equity and commodity indices across the world in the second quarter of this year, which has led some investment managers to urge caution on buying now. But some gold bugs insist that the price must rise further and confidently predict that gold will hit $2,000 an ounce next year. Alice, we've heard some of the reasons behind this gold rush. Um, What else is making people buy more? Well, I mean, this really is the big reason why people buy gold. It is seen as the ultimate safe haven asset. Tom was talking about US treasuries. But I think given all of the uncertainty over what's happening with US debt right now, gold is really becoming the safe haven asset. And that's why we've seen such a big price rise this year. Um, It's linked to the eurozone crisis as well. When people don't know what's going to happen with global economies, they look for something that they believe will retain its value, whatever happens with companies, with equities, with bonds. And usually that is believed to be gold. And how are people 
buying gold? Are they, are they literally getting hold of a, uh, a large piece of metal and burying it in the back garden? Funnily enough, you can do that. Apparently, um, bullion people will actually deliver gold to your house that's, should you want them to do that. <laughs> I don't advise that. Um, what is more common is that you can buy physical gold and then it's stored for you in the vault of um, a central bank or uh, even a company sometimes, um, which can expose you to a little bit of risk in, in that if something happened with that bank or company, it might be hard to get at your gold for some time. But, you know, that risk isn't considered um, massive. So buying physical gold is an option. Um, the other big option is buying an exchange-traded fund in gold. Uh, but the two are quite different in terms of the charges and the risks that you're exposed to. So if you buy physical gold, you pay a higher upfront cost. Um, Goldcore, which is an Irish physical gold provider, will charge you 2% upfront and 1% to sell. Compare that with a gold ETF where you're paying 0.4% a year every year. And if you add all that up, that means after about six years, you break even and it's worth holding physical gold. But uh, gold ETFs make more sense in the short term. And gold ETFs, which trade on London and other stock exchanges, of course, are are backed by gold. There is a vault somewhere um, that's that's behind these listed uh, entities. Exactly. So you're not just, um, it's not like some uh, exchange traded commodities where you're actually trading on futures prices and no one ever actually owns the commodity that you're, um, you know, that you have the shares in. So these gold ETFs are backed up by physical gold in the vaults. And what about other metals? I mean, everyone's talking about gold uh, at, at the moment, um, but uh, the silver price has been moving about a bit. Um, other precious and industrial metals you know, also traded uh, quite heavily. Uh, any others worth considering? Well, silver is called the poor man's gold. I mean, if you look at the price, silver is this week trading at about $40 an ounce. Compare that with gold, which is over $1,600 an ounce. So there's a huge difference in price there. Um, silver has some safe haven asset qualities in that it can be used as a store of jewellery and that kind of stuff, which, you know, the idea is that that will always be in demand. But silver moves in very different ways. It's used a lot in industry. Um, so that means that it's very much tied to how the global economy is doing. So if industry is hit, then silver is used less. So actually, it's not, you know, it doesn't have the same safe haven kind of qualities that gold has. Um, silver is also a lot more volatile. Um, we saw massive price rises in silver this year, but then actually it fell, I think it lost 35% of its value in a couple of weeks back in May. So you really have to bear that in mind if, if you're looking at silver. Tom, you said that you're um, moving into gold a bit more. How are you doing it? Yeah, no, we, we, we've maintained the same gold positions, but they've just gone up and up and up, so they've seen bigger in portfolios. I mean, with regards to the, the silver thing, as Alice alluded to, certainly the portents were pretty negative earlier on this year when you start to see silver falling by 35% in pretty short order. I think that should be a warning sign for investors that ultimately probably silver, definitely gold, are in perhaps the early stages of a bubble, but they will um, at some point go uh, bubblicious, as they've been referred to by some, uh, crudely by some investors. And I think that I think that's right. So I think the best way to play it is probably for an ETF. At least then you have the ability to move in and out of it quite quickly. I think one of the lessons that we learned from 2008 is that high liquidity is absolutely key in portfolios. The ability to move quickly and proactively and preemptively is definitely the way forward. You could quite easily come in and find gold down 20, 30, 40% in a couple of sessions after people have bid it up so much in the last 
last few years. So, you know, we were reticent about buying gold at 1100 bucks. You know, now it's 1600 bucks, And, you know, I still think you'd be wrong to build a portfolio without it. But certainly at some point, people might start to question the prices that you're willing to pay. And finally, Alice, are you hearing similar sort of words of caution from uh, from other investors? Exactly, yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, the, the, the big question with gold is, is it in bubble territory? A lot of people think not. But another point to bear in mind is that even if you don't want to take a bet on gold and actually buy some physical gold or a gold ETF, um, you probably do own exposure to gold if you have a general equity fund, because a lot of the equity funds, particularly in the UK, will have shares in the gold miners. So you actually are going to be have some exposure there anyway. Well, it makes me almost feel better off just knowing that. Uh, Alice, thank you very much uh, indeed. And for details of uh, the most cost-effective ways to gain exposure to gold and indeed silver, you can read Alice's guide in the money section of this weekend's FT. That's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you will find all of these stories, plus daily news updates, blog posts and top tips on our website, ft.com forward slash money. You can follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash ft money and if you have a question you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances just email us it's the usual address money at ft.com next week we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form but until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from alice tanya and our special guest tom beckett of persigma investment management goodbye Goodbye. for more downloads go to ft.com forward slash podcasts Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.